Eureka by John Thomas Volume 1 Chapter 2 Section 4 Part 5 The Reward Promised While the Jezebel, or clerical party, which had obtained a footing in the Thyatirian Ecclesia, was denounced by the Spirit, and threatened with great tribulation and death. The rest in Thyatira were encouraged to perseverance in their opposition to the clergy by exceeding great and precious promises. I will cast upon you, saith the Spirit, no other burden. The great tribulation that would come upon the Ecclesia and the death which were to fall with pain upon the head of the wicked clergy, would more or less be cause of affliction to the whole body. But with this exception, the rest among the Thyatirans, who protest against all the depths, and hold fast to the time that I may have come, shall be rewarded. The words in italics show that the spirit who uttered them considered that there would be a class of people concurrently existing with the Jezebel and her children until the coming of Jesus' anointed, who would answer to the rest among the Thyatirans, the remnant which keep the commandments of the deity and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, verse 17. The time of his appearance is not quite yet. The depths of the Satan as they, the clergy, speak, are still in the ascendant, and all the world hears or gives heed to them, because they are of the world. 1 John 4, verse 5. But we also see that there exists a remnant in this Thyatiran Christendom, which does not hold this teaching, and repudiates the depths. This remnant was to exist as a standing protest against the clergy, or sin spirituals of the wickedness in the heavenlies, until the Lord come. It does exist, and will exist till then, and at that time, now not far remote, will have the great and glorious satisfaction of witnessing and assisting in the overthrow of Jezebel, and the everlasting discomfiture of her children in the face of all the nations they have deceived. We then, who are of this remnant, are exhorted by the Spirit to hold fast what we have till he come. This exhortation presupposes that we have the truth, the things concerning the kingdom of the deity and the name of the anointed Jesus. Acts 8 verse 12 We are to hold fast these things 
till he may have come, be that in what age or generation it might, and are informed that the reward shall be great. This, in addition to what is promised in the writings addressed to the star elderships of the ecclesias in Ephesus, Smyrna and Pergamos, is dominion and government over the nations, delivered from the power of the sin spirituals and world rulers, and the possession of omnipotence. This great promise is expressed in the words of the Spirit, saying, He that overcometh and keepeth my appointments until an end, I will give to him dominion over the nations, and he shall govern them with an iron scepter, as the potter's clay vessels it is breaking to pieces, as also I have received from my father, and I will give to him the morning star. This is promised to the faithful and obedient remnant, to them who overcome the seductions of the world by faith and keep the appointments of the Spirit, or those things appointed for faith and practice as delivered by the apostles. Matthew 23 verse 20 and 10 verse 20. These appointments are to be observed axi telus until an end. Not until the end, but until an end. These two ends are a thousand years apart. Alluding to the one, Paul says, all in the Christ shall be made alive at his appearing. And to the other says, afterwards the end. The appearing to make alive is at the end of the times of the Gentiles. But the end afterwards, totelos, he characterises by the delivering up the kingdom of the millennial period to the Father, when he shall have put down all enemies and destroyed death, which is the last of them. Hence, between an end and the end, there is an important distinction. The former marks the beginning of the restoration of the kingdom, and the latter of its surrender to the Father, with a long interval of time between the two epochs. The appointments to be observed are until an end, indicated by the words of Jesus and Paul, saying, This do in remembrance of me till I come. Faith Hope, baptism, and the Lord's Supper are appointments to be observed till he come. When he comes, 
those will be superseded by other appointments more suitable to the altered condition of the world. The new dispensation will bring with it new appointments. Sacrifice will take the place of the Lord's Supper, and the Feast of Tabernacles, the sowing in tears by the side of all waters. Come, shall many people then say, and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the Elohim of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, Yahweh of armies, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall sacrifice. Isaiah 2 verse 3, Zechariah 14 verses 16 and 21. The apostolic appointments will not be modified or repealed till then. Jezebel and her children have, in effect, abolished them all. As Daniel predicted they would, they have thought to change times and laws. They have substituted their own Catholic and Protestant clericalism for the precepts and institutions of the Apostles. But it will be found to have been all to no purpose, for there is no salvation for any kind of pietists, however approved by their spiritual conscience keepers, save by an intelligent and affectionate belief of the gospel of the kingdom, and immersion into and for the divine name. He that believes the gospel and is baptised shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be condemned. These are the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus, and every one that consents not to them, Paul says, is foggy, knowing nothing. Let the clergy think of this. And who of these reverend gentlemen, if he were sent for by the dying, to give them what he calls the consolations of religion, would talk to his penitents in the words of the promise before us, if unrepentant, would he exhort them to repent, that they might have dominion over the nations, and therefore over Britain, France, Spain, Italy, and so forth, when Jesus Christ should come to raise them from the dead? On the contrary, do not the clergy regard such doctrine as the ravings of the insane? Yet what else can a rational man make of the words before us? 
the eternal spirit declares that the class he defines shall have dominion over the nations and shall govern them with an iron scepter. The clergy and their peoples do not believe this. They deny it and call it madness and tell their deluded worshippers that there is no reward for them in the earth which is to be burned up with all the nations upon it, that the reward is in a heaven beyond the realms of time and space, where their souls will be forever with the Lord. Unquestionably, the clergy are infidels and blasphemers. When they open their mouths, it is in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in the heaven. Revelation 8, verse 6. This is affirmed of them who constitute the mouth of the peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, symbolized in their spiritual and temporal organizations by the beast of the sea, full of names of blasphemy. It is objected that they are very learned, respectable, pious, and sincere gentlemen. We admit all this under certain modifications, but we have nothing to do with their learning, respectability, piety, and sincerity. Our argument is that they do not speak the words of truth as any man not an idiot or a fool, can read them in the scriptures. They speak one thing, and the eternal spirit another. And what they speak is a point-blank contradiction and denial of the words of God. So that if a man believe their dogmas, he must of necessity make God a liar, which is to blaspheme him, his truth, and all who heartily believe it. They scoff at the idea of some poor shoemaker or mechanic who may be a true believer, taking a position over the nations after the lapse of a few years to govern them for God in place of Queen Victoria and the kings of the earth who now possess the dominion. They assume the posture of laughter holding both his sides at the very statement of so preposterous a conceit. No wonder they discourage and discountenance the study of the apocalypse. And if any of them should venture upon an exposition of it, that they should invariably give these letters to the seven ecclesias the go-by. The promises appended to each are anti-clerical and find no counterpart in their systems. If it were reported that a certain clergyman had consoled a dying penitent with the hope of Christ's speedy advent to raise him from the dust and to give him dominion with himself over the strong and powerful nations of Christendom, 
which he should govern with omnipotence and heaven-descended wisdom. A shout of derision would be yelled forth from the throats of his brethren in the ministry and their people, or they would feel like so doing, that would cause him, as reported of the pastor of the Holy Apostolic Catholic Church in 16th Street, to suppress the doctrine and to fall back into the ways of orthodoxy for very shame, but specially for fear of the consequences to his stipend, his position, and his fame. But scoff as the learned, respectable, and pious gentleman of the cloth may. It is the doctrine of the eternal spirit that the poor in this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him, and who show their love by doing whatsoever he commands them, shall have dominion over the nations and govern them with almighty power. This remnant that overcomes will have the honour of breaking up and abolishing forever the kingdom of the clergy with all its ignorance, superstitions, and blasphemies. For the nations of those who are being saved shall walk in the light, which they, as the new Jerusalem, shall shed upon them. Revelation 21, verse 24. Where the nations to be governed with an iron scepter are, There is the dominion of the saints, who in their resurrection state sing a new song, saying to the Lamb, Thou wast slain, and hast purchased us for God, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us for our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. With thee, A thousand years. Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10, and 20, verses 4 and 6. This promise to the rest among the Thyatirans is that in Daniel, apocalyptically reproduced, that the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High Ones, whom all nations and rulers shall serve and obey. Daniel 7, verses 18 and 27. They are to be ruled, the Spirit saith, with a rod of iron. Iron is the symbol of subduing power, and a rod, or sceptre, of regal authority. The word here rendered rule, or govern, is poimane, to feed, tend, direct, and so forth, which occurs also in Revelation 19, verse 15. In this text, Christ is said 
literally to feed the nations with a rod of iron, with the power of a royal conqueror. The position this sentence occupies shows that thus to feed or rule them is to smite them and to tread them in the winepress of almighty wrath and indignation. Thus it is written there, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he might smite the nations, and he shall govern them with an iron scepter. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the all-powerful deity. This is what is to be done by the King of kings and Lord of lords in his victorious career. Now the Spirit saith to the Thyatiran remnant that he will give to them even as I received of my Father. Chapter 19 verse 15 and Psalm 2 verses 8 and 9 show how the Spirit made flesh hath received of the Father Spirit. Hence, for the remnant to feed or rule the nations with an iron scepter is for them, in concert with the Christ, to smite and conquer them, and so to inaugurate their royal authority over them. This appears also from chapter 2, verse 27. Here is a parenthesis after rod of iron, which indicates what is transpiring while the remnant is receiving dominion over the nations. In the original, the parenthesis reads, As the clay vessels of a potter, it is breaking to pieces. This differs from the English version, which translates the word suntribetai by shall they be broken to pieces. This is incorrect, for the verb is in the third person singular of the present indicative passive, and not in the future plural. The version of the American Bible Union corrects the tense, but not the person of the verb. It follows the old version, and persists in giving a plural nominative to a singular verb. It renders the parenthesis by the words, as the vessels of the potter are shivered. This, though good English, is an ungrammatical rendering of the Greek. The revisers err in looking for an expressed nominative of the verb. The sentence does not contain one. The nominative to sun tribetai must be supplied from Daniel 2 verses 34, 35, 44 and 45. The verb signifies it is breaking to pieces. And the prophetic answer to the question, what is breaking to pieces, is the nominative to the verb. It, 
the image of Nebuchadnezzar, is breaking to pieces as the clay vessels of a potter. This breaking to pieces of the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, and the clay together is consequent upon its being smitten by the stone power upon its clayey feet. Its clay vessels, or ten horn kingdoms, confederated with the eighth head in the hour of their breaking in pieces and becoming the kingdoms of Yahweh and of his Christ. The remnants among the Thyatirans and the Pergamean Antipas and the Smyrnian rich in faith and Ephesian labourers for the Spirit's name and the few names in Sardis and the Philadelphian keepers of the word of his patience. These all, with Christ at the head of them, are the New Testament constituents of the stone power. Authority will be given to them to break in pieces the political fabric of the world of nations as established in church and state. The operation is a conjoint one. It is to be effected not by Jesus alone, nor by his joint heirs in his absence, but by all in concert. They follow him whithersoever he goeth. Chapter 14, verse 4. And therefore accompany him in all his wars of the great day of the almighty deity. Chapter 16, verse 14. So that when he encounters the ten horns, they are with him as the called and chosen and faithful. Chapter 17, Verse 14. And when the worshippers of the beast are tormented, it is in their presence as the holy messengers with the Lamb. Chapter 14, verse 10. And when he judges the Italian harlot, they reward her as she rewarded them, and double unto her double according to her works chapter 18, verses 8 and 6. And when he goes forth to smite the nations, they follow him as the war clouds of the heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, which is representative of their righteousness in him. Chapter 19, verses 14 and 8. The new version renders the passage before us thus. I will give him authority over the nations, and he shall tend them with an iron rod, as the vessels of the potter are shivered. This gives utterance to the idea I have expressed above, that the tending, feeding, or ruling of this text consists in breaking them to pieces. This is an improvement upon the old version, but still defective in the particular already noted.